this out. Alrighty, well, hello and welcome to the Foundations Podcast today, Pastor Paul. Good morning. It is morning still, good, so good yeah. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, good. Today we have a subject matter that we are going to deal with, and we're going to talk about God's, uh, well, the God's view of revival. We're going to talk about the term, the the term, and what revival is, how it's defined. Um, um, what, what the way God sees revival, because a lot of us get a lot of ideas in, in our mind about the way revival should happen. Now, one of the things, Pastor, that I hear every church that I go to, I mean, I hear it from preachers all over the place. I mean, ever since I've been a Christian all through the time, uh, through the ages here, uh, yeah, I'm getting older, but, um, uh, what I've heard is that. Oh, we got to have revival. We got to pray for revival. We need a revival. Yeah, well, that's what I've heard all my life too, and uh, and and the, and the truth of the matter, I think when people say that, they have no idea what they're talking about. They, they don't. No, they no don't because they're, they they equate it to certain things that they've seen, or uh, or so, some of the effects of when revival broke out. And we ought to make a distinction there yeah. on what we talk about revival, because I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about, and, and, and I'm just going to talk about contemporary revival. So okay. say Azusa Alrighty. Street, if sure. you're a Pentecostal, everyone ties their roots to what God did there. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, or if you're talking about uh, the Great Awakening, or if you're yes. talking about uh, some of the Wesley, uh, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, the meetings they had, yes. you know, you you can read about phenomena that happens. Okay. Like John Wesley saying, don't get up in the tree because if the power of God falls, I don't want you to get hurt. So, I mean, he, that's a statement he makes. Sure. So we can, we can make a, a conclusion that something physical may have happened. Okay. But that's not the emphasis that John Wesley had. Mm -mm. It's certainly not the issue uh, that happened in the Great Awakening. We have some interesting phenomena that happened there yes, we did. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Great Awakening, not just with Jonathan Edwards, but also George Whitfield and some yeah. of the other people that were there. Um, those are what we call maybe effects of it. I mean, yeah, the effects. He, people may respond differently to the moving of God. Sure. And where the mistake comes is people think that you have to have the effect. The effect is revival. The effect is not revival. No, no, it's not. That is the common misconception of it. Yeah. And so I'm just going to kind of throw some things out there. Is that you're, you're in church, you know, and, you know, well, well, the other day I was listening to a Southern Gospel uh, group singing, right? I, had, I saw a video of that. And they were over there and they were singing a, an upbeat song. You know, and it was a good song. I mean, it was great. You know, it was great. 
And but then all of a sudden the people started clapping and maybe many a few of them started standing up. And then all of a sudden the the one of the singers they want to roll through the uh, verse a second time or whatever do it again and said well I feel like a revival is about ready to break out in here. And you see even from that standpoint I'm looking and I'm saying hold on just a minute here. People were clapping their hands. Maybe they were enjoying, maybe they were singing along, maybe they were standing up, that's fine. Yes. And that's great, we love that. that, that's fantastic. But at the same time, is that revival? No. And a lot of us, you know, and I, I mean, I've been in, and I'm sure you've been in uh, uh, meetings where people were, and I'm just going to list them, falling out under the power. When somebody, when they're praying for people and they fall out under the power. Uh, uh, maybe somebody gets excited and then runs around the room. Maybe uh, somebody uh, starts, uh, there's a shout or somebody shouts or what have you. Um, maybe they're, maybe they're waving the flags over there, you know, and getting, you know, and all that. We've seen that happen. Now, please understand we're not either making fun of this or yeah. we're not belittling this. That's fine. Go to work. But the thing here is, is that when we are equating those things with uh, even the, remember the Jericho March, I was just going to yeah. kind of throw that in there, but which is great. That's fine. You want to do that, you know, get excited about God. But at the same time, that does not equate with what revival is. No, it, it does not. And, uh, and this is what I have seen people, the people have come up to me mm -hmm. uh, and they, they talk in terms of, man, well, we, I want to see people, you know, shouting. I, I remember I had a gentleman years ago said, I love to watch people shout and get heavy. And that dude just sat back there and didn't do anything. I'm thinking, well, if you think that's revival, why aren't you doing it? Yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And we're not we're not saying that that's wrong to do no, those things. No, but no, what no, I no, believe no. is wrong is the absence of it does not mean we don't have revival. Yeah. If you're going to biblically determine, uh, determine what revival is, and once again, this is Foundations Podcast, yeah. and we're going back to the source, the Word of God, sure. to let that be the plumb line of mm -hmm. how we understand revival, where it comes from. And I will guarantee you one thing, that had you been in uh, Jonathan Edwards' meeting there in 1741 at Enfield, Connecticut on July the 8th, no one was waving flags. No, no one was clapping. There was repentance. There were manifestations that happened. Yes. But they looked a lot different than what we call, and by the way, that did produce revival. It but did. it was based on the Word of God. Yeah, and this is where we're going to go here today. And that's what we want to do. Now, first of all, what does the word revival mean? Well, the word revival is the ideal that something is dead or dying okay. or barely alive. And revival in the sense of reviving biblically is to take someone who is in that condition and bring them back to the way God wants defined by his word. Okay. And the, the term revive, and now understand something here. This is one which is unusual, but we're going to bring it bring it out here, is that you don't see reviving or revival talked about in the New Testament as no. much as you see it referred to in the Old Testament. Yes, in fact, our concepts of revival is Old Testament. And, and that's not a bad thing if anyone's no. listening to this, 
because the gospel that all of the New Testament writers preached was the Old Testament. Exactly. Okay, but in their writings, they don't use the word revival. They use words like renewal and yes. transformation. Yes. And uh, and so it, it's it's just strange, you know, when you look at it like that. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the Book of Acts, that is revival. Yes, it is. But the word revival is not used. Okay, so it's uh, it, it's strange. Uh, but there are other words that are associated with revival mm -hmm. that are uh, used in the Book of Acts and in the New Testament. Things like repentance. Repentance. Yeah. In fact, there is no revival without it. Period. No. Even Old Testament. No. Um, you know, a lot of people like to take that passage, was that Second Chronicles seven fourteen? Yes. And uh -huh. they'll say, oh, we need to pray that God would heal our land and do all this. And, I, and, and so many times on Facebook, I see that, and they never mentioned what Re we're supposed to do. Repent and, and turn from your wicked ways. By my name will humble themselves, repent. Uh, and, and turn, turn, from, turn from, from their, their wicked, wicked ways, ways yes. You know, and seek my face. In other words, there's revival has to be God's way. Yes. And unless there is true repentance, mm -hmm. uh, there can be no revival. No. And that true repentance is based on what God said in his word. And there can be no true repentance unless people hear God's word. When Paul says it this way in Romans 10, so then faith comes by the hearing, hearing and, and hearing, hearing by the word, word of God. Of God. Yeah. So even mm -hmm. the initial point of people being saved is through the word of God. Nothing changes through the believer's life. Yeah. From that standpoint, Paul talks about renewing your mind with scripture, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, uh, experiencing transformation Yes. Uh, as a result of that in Romans 12. And so what, I, what I'm trying to say is all that's based on repentance, and we have Paul's own words mm -hmm. uh, that we can look at later. But uh, yeah. but going back to the Old Testament. It, yeah, let's, let's, let's go back to the Old Testament. One, one, of the, in the, one of the things, I, I'm going to bring these scriptures out, Pastor. You have a few other scriptures and stuff you want to bring out. I want to take a look at Psalm 119. Yes. Some, so one thing about Psalm 119, I don't want to get, uh, take up too much time explaining this, but it is, it is the psalm that you will trip over and it will get your attention yes. in the book of Psalms. Why? Well, in the original, when you're looking at how that it was formulated together in the original text, you'll see that Psalm 119, first of all, so you said it has 176 Six, verses, yes. the longest psalm that you'll ever read. And uh, and it's a, a 119 and a 176 verses. Now the way, if you look in the original text, you will look that 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 particular psalm is broken up into chunks or into sections. Yes. Each of the sections represents one letter of the Hebrew alphabet: Aleph, Dalet, etc., etc., etc. We can go through that. Uh, this is not a Hebrew lesson, but anyway, each letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Yes. Now, and then if you look at the writing, each of those stanzas begins with the letter of that stanza. Or in other words, like yes. the first one, LF, and then they all, and you said there's like 16? Yeah, each stanza has 16 verses in it. 16 verses in it. And every one of those verses in that psalm, in one way or a manner, refer to God's word. Yes, they do. Every, every single one of them. It's called the alphabet. It's a Hebrew alphabet. But yes. It's the alphabet psalm. Mm -hmm. And it is by design. I mean, There's no way that that could have just fallen. No. 
happened suddenly or just, you know, coincidentally or what have you. That was there. And that was, it meant, and when we look at that psalm, now listen to this. There was several one, uh, several of the verses within uh, 119 that talk about reviving us. Yes. Reviving us. And uh, let me uh, pop over here. We begin in uh, verse 25. It says, revive me according to your word. Yeah. To your word. To your word. The word of God. And then we go into 37. It says, revive me in your way, God's way. Which is his word. Revive me. And, and 40 says, revive me in your righteousness. That's God's righteousness. Yeah. And how do we learn of God's righteousness? The word of God. There you go. <laughs> All righty. And verse 88, it says, uh, where am I? Revive me according to your loving kindness. And where do we learn about his loving kindness? And one of the verse above that is the precepts of the Lord. The precepts which, which of the Lord. the yeah. word of God. So that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. That's what he's talking about. And then verse 107, again, uh, revive me, O Lord, according to your word. 149, it says, revive me according to your justice. Yeah. And once again, where do we find out God's justice? Well, we find out in the Word. The Word of God. The Word of God. Yes. And 154, according to your Word. 156, according to your judgments. That's another word for, for the Word of God. Uh, 159, according to your loving kindness again. And so we see that all of this is that the Old Testament clearly tells us that we need to be revived through the word of God. In Psalm 119, 130, this is, and we, we talked about this before we got on the podcast here. Mm -hmm. And this is where the psalmist says, the entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. That word entrance in the Hebrew is patah. And it literally means a declaration. Okay. Uh, it's the ideal of a declaration of revelation, a disclosure of knowledge and understanding. And so what, what the psalmist is saying is it's through the preaching and the proclamation of God's word. That's yes. the entrance, like a door being opened. Yes. And uh, because it's an allusion to that. That's why most translations will say entrance. Yes. And uh, and so when that happens, what does it do? It, it gives light. It turns on the light. Yeah. And, and how is that d described? The difference between the dark and the light. Paul used that same terminology in Second Corinthians four. We said the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So what is the light? The word of God, the entrance of that, the declaration of that, it it brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. Yes. And uh, and so you know we're we're talking about we need to have an understanding of God's word. Yes. Uh, we, everyone who's listening to this, you need to go to a church where they preach God's word. Oh, absolutely. And uh, because why? Because the declaration of that word gives light. Gives light. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and, uh, and I'll, I don't know if this is kind of funny, but they say, you know, you, you, you hear these uh, phrases like they talk about individuals where the light's on, but nobody's home anyway. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, but the, th the thing here is, I, I, I'm making jokes about it, but at the same time, do you, in our day and age, and th th this is one of the discussions I had the other day of my wife and some, some others, 
is that we have maybe a generation or more of Christians, believers, that they, they, they call themselves Christians, that we're Christians, but we don't put a, um, a priority on understanding and reading the Word of God. And that is, I don't even know how, I mean, if we were to look at, I don't want to, we don't have to go there, but John 8, where Jesus talks about abiding in the word, you're to my disciples, and indeed that word abide there means to live there, dwell there. Uh-huh. You know, John 15, same concept. Yeah. Um, how can you be a Christian and not love God's word? Yeah. And here's the thing. We, that you have to ask yourself the question, does God's word excite me? I mean, does, does it, does it, is it something that, oh, I am looking forward to doing? Is it something that I, you know, it, you know, so there's a lot of people that say that they get excited about other things. We talked about this last week. They get excited about football. They get excited about sports. They get excited about music or they get excited about other things like that. But they don't have an excitement about God's word and about doing and talking about God's word. Now, as we will look at accounts of the Great Awakening, as we look at accounts of Jonathan Edwards, we're going to talk about that in a minute, uh, about Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of, you know, and the spurring off all of that uh, revival, we see that there was a renewed interest in people talking about God's word, people talking about theology, talking about their life and, and their testimony, people getting together and getting excited about the word of God. Yes. Uh, you know, the the psalm that I was talking to you about before we started, and I, and I went back and I looked at the Hebrew on this because I wanted to really get the flavor of it. But, but, but Psalm 19, verse 7, and it says the law of the Lord is perfect, yes, uh, converting the soul. And uh, and that word converting literally in the Hebrew means to make a linear motion back to the place previously departed. Yes. And so when we think about that, and I think it'd be appropriate to use this because this would get people's attention. Okay. Uh, let's let's just use the example. Uh, what 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 is God saying here when He says converting the soul? Let's think of the soul as the place of your emotions, the seat mm-hmm. of your affections, yes. um, the the place where you can be scarred up based okay. on things that happen to you in life. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take the example of a woman who is violently raped. Okay. Okay. Uh, rape is violent, no matter how. But, but I'm just saying Absolutely. something very terrible to be beat, uh, held against your will. Yes. And uh, and just uh, that that happens. And in fact, there is an example that, if I remember it, I can give that, I, that that's happened in contemporary settings that I think is so interesting. Yeah. Uh, so a woman is raped. This is tragic. Yes, absolutely. This is this this should never happen to anyone, but no. these things do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this woman is raped. It's not just the physical trauma; it's the emotional trauma of what she goes through. Yes. All right. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So is there help or hope for this woman? The answer is yes, the law of the Lord is perfect. Yes. Converting the soul. So if this woman is able to be in a church where she hears God's word 
and she is able to uh, to understand it, yes. to renew her mind with it, to ask God to help her. She's got help from other people to speak into her life about God's love. Okay. And and, and what, what, what the Word is saying is that it can take the same woman who was raped, and that Word of God is so perfect. It's so powerful. It's so amazing that it can literally convert her soul. It can bring her soul back to a place before the rape ever happened. Yes. That is amazing. Let, let me share a story. I heard this year, a number of years ago, uh, this pastor, and I can't remember where he was at. I think this happened in the 90s or 1980s or 90s. Uh -huh. Anyway, his daughter who was in college was coming home. She went to check the mail. Apparently they had a long driveway. Yeah. And she got abducted by this gentleman. And this gentleman was borderline retarded. Okay. And I'm not using that, you know, I hope that's not offensive to it's people not, to you. Yeah, it's not being derogatory. We had a condition. Yeah, he had a fine. bit of a condition. Yeah, okay. You know, and, uh, but anyway, he, he grabbed her. Apparently he was obsessed with her. Wow. The, the pastor was up in the upstairs of his house, saw his daughter, checked the mail, went back. He was studying for a sermon. Then all of a sudden, about, you know, he just, he looked back and saw the car was still running. Yeah. Well, they went to investigate. Well, police were called. Everything was happening. Was there. And they finally catch the man maybe a couple of days later. I forget how that they figured out it was him. And, uh, and then uh, a couple of things that happened were really extraordinary. Okay. First of all, the mother and the other siblings were able to talk to him. Okay. And uh, and find out. And what he did is that he tied her up to a bed. And I'm not going to be graphic with this. He told he he, ra he raped her. Okay. And then he says, I'll kill you. I can either do it with a knife or smother you with a pillow. She chose to be smothered with a pillow. That was his words. And one of the things that was interesting is that the, the young lady that was raped, it bugged him out so much because she told him that she forgave him. Okay. The parent or the mother and the other ones looked at him and says, you know what? We forgive you for what you did. It broke him down. Okay. I mean, it just was, so, it, it's amazing. What, what could give someone the power to do that? Yeah. That's violent. It's awful. I can't, I can't imagine one of my girls that's happening to them. And yet, how could the young lady live in that level of forgiveness? Hmm. And the parents do it as well. Yeah. The law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect. Converting the soul. Yeah, you know, and I know that's tragic, but that, that it that, is tragic. That's but true in any situation. Yes. I don't, it doesn't have to be rape. It can be it, anything. The word of God, I mean, the, the change, we're talking about that change you were talking about. It reminds me of salvation, the what salvation truly is. I'm not talking about, oh, I just said a little prayer. And the, when God's a nature change, na yeah, you have a change of nature. Yes. And the only thing that can bring that about, well, in, in that sense, is that this is God's way. This is God's way. This is his word. And revival brings about 
a renewal or brings you back to that life. It's almost to the, you know, and and I'm not, I'm I'm trying to use a, a comparison what? here. We we talk about zombies, okay? Now just uh, yeah. just just okay. No, I understand. Yeah. Okay, we talk talk about zombies that are walking around, but there's no life in them. We get Christians. If you you know the thing here is is that the entrance of your word gives light. Uh, the Bible is a is alive. Right, it is sharper than two edged any edged sword, bringing about in it as as the Bible and Timothy says. Now we we look at that, and we get Christians who are in our churches today that have no life. They have no life because they don't have the word. Yeah, it's because we have here we have a generation or a generation to have whatever that have neglected the word of God. And they have tried to find other ways to live their Christian life. Now, and let me explain here. We, 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 uh, you know, the other day, and I think that this brought to my mind, I saw a picture, some dude put a picture up on Facebook and he had written on the bottom of the Bible. He says, this is how I fight my battles. I think you saw that I, too. I, I put that up. Oh, uh, you put well, yeah, yeah. So there's others that have done. Yeah. Anyway, it's but a quote from Spencer yeah, this is yeah. how I find my 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 battles. But at the same time, they have tried to fight battles in their life, in other means as Christians. Whether it's saying, well, if I sing, you know, Christian music. Well, you, you see, the thing here is that everything in Christendom has to come back to the base where it's the word of God. Yes. If you're praying, you need to pray according to the word. If you are singing those words or that music, whether it's praise and worship or Christian contemporary music or whatever, and my wife and I were talking about this, it needs to have a base in the word of God. That, you know, we, we did a, a podcast several weeks ago. I don't know how long ago, and we were talking about the top 10 of what we saw here in our nation about Christian music and praise and worship. And those that are not in agreement or aligned with the word of God, they're useless. Frankly, they're useless. You want to use that and try to go against the devil? You want to go against the the powers of the enemy? It's not going to work. You want to go into, and not saying that all of this is bad, uh, you know, the praise and worship or all of what I'm going to say is bad, but you can't fight your battles that way. You can't go in and blow a shofar. Yeah. You can't go in there and wave flags in your church or march up and down or do a Jericho march or anything else like that. You have to use what God has given you and given us to fight those battles. Well, let me let me ask you this question. We talk about revival. Yeah. You know, the ideal of something being revived, something uh, being converted, something being changed. Uh, what does revival look like? Well, I think it looks like that girl getting raped and saying, I forgive you. Yes. I think it looks like William Tyndale being burned at the stake because what did he do? He translated the Latin scripture into German. Into German, German I believe it was. And they yeah. burned him at the stake. That's revival. Yes. And people say, well, what, what do you mean? We, we got people that are willing to walk in light of God's word regardless, like that girl. In any situation, she didn't let that rape define her. No. She didn't allow being smothered with a pillow define her. No. 
And, uh, and, and their parents didn't let that define them. No. They let God's word be the plumb line on how they responded. And, and, and this is going to sound horrible, but maybe we need to say it. We have believers today that can't even consistently come to Sunday morning service. No. We have people that, 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 that we, we're in a generation that we have more access to God's word than any other generation ever before us. Yes. And yet people spend less time reading God's word, understanding God's word, and hearing God's word. And that is a shame, and I believe it is offensive to the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. And and then they wonder, well, why why aren't we seeing revival? Why don't we see revival? Where, you know, and I know uh, Leonard Ravenhill, <laughs> uh, he wrote a book called Why Revival Tarries. Yeah. He talked about the people socializing in the church instead of praying. Yeah. He talked about people, they were they're more interested in the fellowship dinner than they were getting on their knees before God. Oh, I've, I've heard you, like, 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 so, this last Sunday morning, we had a tremendous move of God in yes. our service. Yes. And, uh, and when I finished my message, and there's numerous things that happened before that, uh, but when I finished my message, uh, it was 1218. I didn't look at my, I just purposely did not look, I, at, the watch. look at my watch. I said, <laughs> I'm not, I, and when I got up there, I thought, you know, yeah. what? I don't care what time it is. Sure. I have a message. I'm going to give it. And, uh, and people responded to it. Yes. Now, some people just walked out, and I'm not saying they were evil or unrepentant no, no, or no, anything no, like no, that. No. But what I am saying that it is amazing uh, when the Word of God comes to bear in a situation that God uses that same Word and brings conviction in the heart. Yes. And um, and and what, part of that message was the ideal of Paul's teaching on. Uh, you know, there in Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten mm-hmm. about the idea. I mean, chapter four. I'm sorry, chapter four, where he talks about the God of this world has blinded the minds of them uh, that that do not believe. Yes, and uh, and it said, lest they see the light of the glory of God. You know, and then he talks about we preach Jesus. Yeah, and then he gets back to the creation event where you know Genesis one three. You know, you know that light should shine out of darkness, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and what I brought out is that's Paul's rendition. How did he get saved? Yes, Stephen was a man who a deacon preaching. He gave orders to stone him. He heard the word that Stephen preached. He preached yes. the gospel, and you can go back and read that in, in Acts seven and yes. eight. And uh, and while stoning him, he has a uh, an experience with God where he sees Stephen Jesus yeah. standing at the right hand of God. Paul observed all this. Yes, he's the one that said stone him. Yeah, and then he's on the road to Damascus, and what happens? He has an experience with the risen Christ, changes his life forever, and the rest is history. My point there is what Stephen did, according to what Paul wrote in Second Corinthians chapter four. Yeah, of counting was in the same power that God created the earth. Yes. In other words, that word that Stephen preached was that powerful. Yes. He was stoned to demonstrate the commitment and love for Jesus. That rocked Paul's world. Yeah. If you don't have that, you don't have Paul meeting the risen Christ. The, and, and you know, and the point of it is, where did that come from? Did that come because somebody waved a flag or blew a shofar? No, no. It, I, I'm not mocking that. No, but no, what no. I'm saying is, what was Stephen doing? Yeah. I mean, go back and read it, Acts seven. It is eloquent 
rendition of God's word, bringing people to a place, calling people to repentance. Yes. Uh, they stoned him for it. Yeah. But that's the catalyst of what got it's the word of God saved. You see that that's and then uh, what? Okay, I, I don't know. Do you have First Timothy up uh, on the uh, about talking about the word of God is powerful? That's actually Hebrews. That's Hebrews. Let's he, let's, Hebrews, let's go to that. Let's Hebrews, go to that. Uh, Four twelve. Um, and wh while you're talking about that, I, or you're going there. I'm going to talk about the uh, just kind of reference the. Uh, uh, when, well, actually, that's moving along. It's talking about when the Lord comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Uh, Talks about the uh, the virgins that had, half of them had oil in their lamp, the others didn't because they weren't prepared. And that when we neglect the word of God, when we don't read the word of God, when it's not a priority in our lives to understand that, number one, you're not going to have revival. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're not going to be ready. Now go ahead and read uh, uh, okay, and, and just so that, you know, I, we realize that some people watch this, maybe not have read their Bible like, you know, they, they should, and they sure. can start doing that, by the way. We're not Absolutely. To, yeah, we're Absolutely. trying to encourage people to do that. Yeah. But this is in the context of a rest that God has provided. Okay. And uh, so let me start in verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. And by the way, that rest is that Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, the resurrection, the grave is sufficient. Okay. Okay. Uh, for our salvation, to believe on him, to, you know, anyway. So let us enter that rest, lest according to the same example of disobedience, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. It's alive. It's powerful. Yeah. It's uh, it, to the division of the soul and spirit. Remember, yes. the word of God is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It is uh, of the joint uh, of the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the mirror. It, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts, the intents of the heart. That's why when you are under the preaching and teaching of God's word, yes. sometimes that word will discern your thoughts and intents. And I, I've had people say this: "How did you know what I was doing?" Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what yeah. you were doing. Uh -huh. Anyway, yep. and, and then he goes on to say, "And there's no creature hidden from His sight." Notice Jesus and the word agree here. Yeah. And uh, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we have given account. And what is he talking about? There's a day of judgment coming. Yes. And uh, and so the well, ideal, it, the it, word of God is alive. The intents and thoughts of the heart, and everything is open unto God. In other words, God knows what you're thinking. He knows what your your intentions are. He knows what your thoughts are, and everything is laid open to God. You know, let me let me give an example here because you know I know that we we probably have a lot of people thinking, well, I like to see the the the, the effects. If you want to see the effects, yeah, the effects. The effects. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not against the effects. Mm -mm. I'm just saying the effects are not revival. Okay, no. no the the word of God, what it does in the heart of man, what it does in our solical parts. Yes, that's revival. That is revival. okay. And so I'll give an example. Sunday morning before service. I, uh, standing here, I was in this office and I was about to leave to go. I teach a Sunday school class before I was going to go. Mm -hmm. One of the people in our church was uh, feeling, well, they hurt themselves. Okay. And, and anyway, and I was concerned about that. And uh, so I went to the Lord and, and I said, Lord, I'm asking you to heal this person. And I said, Lord, you said in your word, in Isaiah 53, you were wounded for our transgressions. Mm -hmm. You were bruised Bruce for our iniquities. iniquities. The chastisement of, of, of our peace was upon you. 
and with your stripes we're healed. I said, you took all of the sin and everything, and it was all laid on you, all of our sin, and you bore all that stuff for us. And I said, mm-hmm. Lord, you did that so that we wouldn't have to bear it ourselves. Yes. And I'm asking you to stretch out your hand, if you would. And I was just real simple. I wouldn't, I would just pray a prayer. And as I did, the Spirit of God sure. invaded this office. All right. And uh, and I just thought, wow, unexpected. Yeah. Wasn't thinking that. And there was a sense later because I went in. Well, actually, no, I was going to the men's prayer meeting. It starts at eight. Mm-hmm. So this is before that. And I went in there, and I had the sense of the Lord dealing with me. The reason that happened is because you took me at my word. Yeah. You didn't demand it. Mm-hmm. You just took me at my word. And there was the expectation that I would do it. Yes. And it was just like, it was so humbling. Yeah. I mean, I, I, because I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about the Word of God. The Word of God. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I just, I, I just, I wept in the, I, I tried mm. to be quiet about it. Yeah. It just was so moving sure. me. And so a lot of people get caught up in effects and stuff. I'm not against the effect. No, no, no. I'm not no, ex- no, no. against the presence of God moving and people responding through weeping yeah. and uh, maybe even shouting. We can see that in the Old Testament. People yes, shouting. We're not yes. against that. I'm not even against somebody blowing the shofar and just let me know if you're going to do it, okay? <laughs> don't, don't get right by my ear and do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but what I'm saying is uh, yeah. what, what happens, this is a tendency that I've seen uh, in, 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 you know, and I'm going to speak from an Assembly of God standpoint, Pentecostal church. What I've seen is that people get so focused on the effect, yes, that they miss the revival. Yeah, they do, because the revival comes from God's word. Yeah, it is the knowledge of it, the understanding of it. The parable of the sower demonstrates and the this. application of it. Once we move in God's word, once we are using it, now number one, you know, you're, you're fighting the battle of the enemy. Jesus used it is written, it is written, it is written when he was fighting the enemy. It is powerful. There is an effect to it. Yes. And once you begin to preach it, but then individuals have to get, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to use a term here, and I'm, uh, it's been used. They need to get a revelation of it. When the, uh, you know, when the light comes on, yeah, yeah. The entrance of your words brings really light. Brings light. Uh, yeah, I mean, just amazing. Uh, we're, we started uh, on Sunday morning in Colossians. We're going to go through all four chapters of it. Yeah. We got no further in verse one. Yeah, I know. But I God know. just did an interesting work in this in, in the service. But but you know, one of the things that I, I alluded to because I read it there in Colossians one that says, "For by Him all things were created." Yes. Paul takes Jesus and says, when God created the heavens and the earth, we're talking about the second member of the Trinity. Yeah. That was the Son. And uh, and he says, and he talks about everything from uh, things visible and invisible, mm-hmm. uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers. In other words, these are in relationship to angels, and they may have, that would include fallen angels. Yes. And, uh, and that all things were created by him and for him, and they all consist because of him. Yeah. And I and one of the things that, that that really hit me in studying for that was how Paul just described the majesty of Jesus. Uh-huh. 
And remember, he met him on the Damascus Road, the risen Christ. Yes. Uh, and uh, and the, the, the lofty language that is used there. And, uh, and just revival is, you know, that, that's God's word and getting an understanding that all of my salvation, everything is Jesus is Lord. Yes. And that means everything. Everything. He's Lord, you know. And, uh, you know, who is it that was it? Jesus take the wheel? I don't know if she really understood what she was singing about. The point of it is, uh, I shouldn't be asking Jesus to take the will of my life. I should be following him from the beginning. Yes. And when I need revival is when I get ahead of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because I think in my own peanut mind, I know better. And, uh, and so well, yeah, that, we're doing God's way. That, that's kind of like, well, you got to wait until you're almost having an accident or you're in the middle of a life or death situation. Then you should ask God yeah. to take the wheel. No, no, no. And like you said, you should be doing that from the start. God, you should be giving him lordship of your life. Well, you know, this, uh, this thing about revival, we, you know, yeah. the, the, good case in point, King David um, wants the ark back. He was lost during Saul's, um, you know, administration there before. Yeah. Philistines had it. You know, there's a story behind that. Oh, that was some anyway, they anyway, brought yeah. that thing back. Uh -huh. And uh, and I cannot at this moment in my mind slip me on who the house it went to. But he had two sons. I know one of them was named Uzzah. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, um, and he'd been there and God was blessing that house because of the ark. Yeah. It was in that house. David can taste it. He wants it back. Yeah. And so he wants to get it back as quick as he can. So he brings a bunch of worshipers. He brings a bunch of people. And somehow they load this up on a new cart. Mm -hmm. That's not how God said it. That's not the way God said it. That's not. Nope. And so they're dancing and they're just twirling and doing uh, all their stuff on the way back to Jerusalem. They never get even close to Jerusalem. The oxen that's carrying, uh, pulling the cart stumbles. And Uzzah, who has grown up with this thing, I think was in that house for 17 years, he's grown up with this thing. Yes. And he, and all he does is put his hand on the ark. To study it. It doesn't want it. Or whatever. And the Bible says the Lord struck, struck him down. Him. And I said, there's nothing like God killing somebody to interrupt a man-made revival. Yes. That's what it was, a man-made revival. The Bible says that David feared the Lord after that. He was upset about it. And then what does he do? They go back into the Word of God. Yeah. They go back into the into the into what, what Moses wrote. Mm -hmm. They bring the proper people to bring this thing back on the poles and carry it. The way God and I believe said it's it. every six paces, I believe it's six, they would sacrifice to mm -hmm, God. Mm -hmm. And by the time they got to Jerusalem, they had so much barbecue, they fed everybody in Jerusalem. Yes. They did it God's way, and God honored it. Yeah, and I, I mentioned Ravenhill before. He had a, a book that I, I was uh, telling you about earlier we were talking about, is that it revival God's way. Yeah. You see, he, here's the thing. We have to do it according to God's way. That is the way that God says to do it, and then it's going to actually that that actually happens. Um, now, when we go back, and I, I was just looking at the time. Let's let's take a let's take a step back into history. Let's take a step back into history, and take a look at Jonathan Edwards, who was what they he would call a revivalist during that time. Uh, he 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 uh, preached a sermon who was 
or which was actually in literature. They actually put that in, into uh, American literature because it was such a, a defining um, uh, sermon. Yeah, it was a manuscript the, 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 sermon, by the way. Yeah, it's a manuscript sermon. And Jonathan Edwards, and then let's uh, let's understand who Jonathan Edwards was. He was a preacher. He was a preacher uh, in a church back during that time. I'm being very simplistic here. 1741. 1741. And uh, anyway, and the, his sermon was utilized in about of the Great Awakening during that time. We talk, we talk, refer to the Great Awakenings and all that during those times of big revivals. Now, the thing is, and you mentioned this before, is that during this time, there was no, they didn't have uh, uh, people uh, donning flags and whipping them around in the church. No. They didn't blow the shofar. Again, we're not, but I, the point here is this. There weren't people uh, dancing up and down the uh, aisles. There was not uh, lively music being played uh, to stir up people and all this. There was a man who God had given a sermon, and who had, he had delivered it several other times, but he went to the, another, you said that we were talking, he was at another church. Yeah, Northampton, Connecticut. That was his grandfather's church that he inherited. Okay. He had preached this there several times. Yes. And, uh, and, and also, he may have even preached it in some other places. He was a one of several visiting ministers in Enfield, Connecticut, Okay. There's not even an indication that he was the one that was supposed to speak. I do believe it was the providence of God. Oh, I'm sure. And so he got up here and preached the message. This is not the first time. This is not the second time. This was probably not even the third time he uh -huh. preached this. Enfield was known as resistant to revival. Okay. In the Great Awakening. And he preaches that message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it's based out of uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. And he and, and the ideal, he talked about their foot shall slide in due time. And that was God's judgment upon Israel because they were going after other gods. Yes. At the context of that. And uh, and he uses imagery and words that uh, to illustrate God's word. Okay. And talk about how that wicked men deserve hell. Yes. Now, the, the catch is, at the end, yeah, salvation is offered. But if people don't understand they need salvation, why? They're never going to come to it. They're not going to come to salvation. But I, I want to just, just take a step back and look at this man. This was a preacher who was a, a preacher. He, uh, From what I understand, he did have eye problems. Yes. And the thing is, this particular sermon was written down in manuscript, as you said, and it was on his pulpit. He would literally, to the point, as I heard some some accounts, where he would literally, he would be right just right above there, just sitting there trying to read his sermon, and that he began to read the imagery. Now, uh, and begin to, to, to read about this uh, sermon here, and... One of the things I did uh, during the, the course of his sermon, he began to read his sermon and that men would, the effect here, I want to take, uh, was interrupted many times during the sermon by people moaning and crying out, what shall I do to be saved? Yes. And by the way, my understanding is he didn't even get to finish it. No. Um, 
Yeah, look, check the imagery. Look, look at this. This is this is really just barely into it. And he says this, that unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotted covering. And there are innumerable places in this covering so weak that they won't bear their weight. And these places are not seen. The arrows of death fly unseen at noonday. The sharpest sight cannot discern them. God has so many different unsearchable ways of taking wicked men out of the world and sending them to hell. There is nothing to make it appear that God had need to be at the expense of a miracle or go out of the ordinary course of providence to destroy any wicked man at any moment. Anyway, and I'll stop right there. I yeah. mean, think about it. He, His audience is listening to this. The pit of hell you know, just like a rotted covering and you're walking over it. You have yes. no ideal. It could break through at any moment. The yeah. the imagery of that is amazing. I, I, I saw somebody literally had a drawing, or I don't know if it was a painting, drawing, whatever, of it, of that him preaching the sermon and then almost like hell itself was opening up below the people there and they were trying to hang on to the yeah. pillars because and the thing here is is that what was he saying here uh, and I, I'm, I'm gonna bring some considerations or whatever it says number one that God may cast wicked men into hell at any given moment you know when we start understanding what he was saying we understand that if you are not walking with God there is nothing stopping you from dying within the next minute. No, there's not. And that if you, upon that death, you will go to hell. Exactly. And and, and even, and how does he make that assumption? Paul dealt with that issue. Mm -hmm. It's the forbearance of God that gives opportunity. The very loving kindness of yes. God that he does not judge us, but gives us opportunity to repent and come to the gospel. Uh, people will misunderstand that and say, well, see, you got to preach on loving kindness, and that's what uh, will draw people. That's not what Paul was saying. No. He was saying it's based on God's forbearance and loving kindness that we're not already judged. Yes. He yes. wasn't saying that. He was saying the fact that, yes, we, we have to preach uh, a message of the gospel that calls men to repent of their sins forsake their wicked ways to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior yes. and trust that the Holy Spirit will take that word and draw men to himself. Yes, yes. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to go down just a couple more here. The wicked, the wicked deserve to be cast into hell. We all deserve. The Bible says yeah. that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve a divine just Divine justice does not prevent God from destroying the wicked at any moment. Well, let's just think of it this way. How many people have already died today all over the world? Yes. I mean, because there are people who will look at this message of sinners in the hands of grain, angry God, oh, it's a bunch of legalism, this is a bunch of junk. Let's just think of it this. How many people have died in a car accident? How many people have been murdered already before this day is over? Mm -hmm. How many people died unexpectedly through a heart attack? Yes. Or whatever means that, that people are taken out. And of those people, how many of those people are unconverted? They do not have faith in Jesus. Yeah. Where do we think they're going? Yeah, exactly. Jonathan Edwards hit it on the head, uh, the nail on the head. Yes, he did. Yes. And he, you see, he brought it up. You see, the thing is, is today's preachers, they're afraid to, they're afraid to speak about hell. 
They don't, uh, they, they would rather speak about everything positive. Your best life now. Uh, everything, <laughs> I'm being very vivid there. Uh, you're going to get me. I'm going to get going here on <laughs> okay. that. But your best life now or uh, all the, the fluff and, oh, you know, prosperity, how goodness can count and all this type of thing because they feel that men are persuaded by the by the uh, the fringe benefits of being saved. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I argued with someone one time, um, and this is this is taken out of Galatians chapter five, and uh, and people said, "Well, you just try to preach on the loving kindness of God. God loves us. God is love." I said, "I'm not arguing the point." No, I said, "But how does that how does that translate into how the apostles?" minister of the gospel. Well, here, Paul writing to the Galatians where he says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so you'll do things you wish. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Then he says, now the works of the flesh, he's writing this to a church in Galatia. Yes, the church. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, uh, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So this is not an exhaustive list, but listen to what he says. Okay. He said, of which I tell you beforehand, meaning when he was there, he spoke about this. Okay. Just, uh, hold on. I told you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he was talking to the church. Yes, he was talking to the church. He wasn't talking to the world here. You know, we always say, wow, you, talk, you know, the people are the wicked, the world, you know, and, well, we know where they're going. But the church people were practicing this. There's no... now. He wouldn't preach that to the church if they weren't having problems. Well, let's go over to the third chapter right Come here. On. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That is a cultic. Yeah. That's an interesting word in the Greek. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed, uh, portrayed among you as crucified? So he already dealt with the issues of witchcraft. Sure. And then he comes back in chapter five and says, the people that do these things will not inherit. not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what I've argued with people is if you're going to a church where you never hear about these things, okay, then you're going to a church that does not preach the word of God. That's right. And what is the definition of heresy? Heresy is when someone brings God's word and it's about 90% true and about 10% of it's false. Okay. And so if you're going to a church that limits this, you're going to a heretical church. Yeah. But you see, how did revival spur off? We're back to, you know, going back to Jonathan Edwards' sermon, he's preaching this. And he's talking to things. He says, the wicked at any moment suffer under God, uh, at, at this moment suffer under God's condemnation to hell. In other words, if you don't know Jesus, you are already condemned to hell. Yes. And God does not need something to judge you by that you would go there. That was the point. You yeah. already deserve it. His divine justice demands it. Yes. Someone says, well, is that true? Yes. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's the whole message of the gospel. Exactly. Jesus went to the cross. Why? To save us from that very wrath. Yes. The very justice of God. Why? Because God 
and when people talk about God is love, what's, what's interesting about this is that that is not even really a concept in Old Testament theology. Mm. The the concept in God, I'm not saying it's not a truth. Don't yeah, misunderstand. But yeah, what is what what kind of revelation do we have in the old? By the way, it's repeated in the new. Yes. God is holy. He's a holy and God. And from his holiness, all of his love, his mercy, his justice, his wrath is from that. Why? Because he is holy. Yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's one of the things, if you were Jewish, even today, one of the first books of the Bible that you even are trained in is Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And what is the book of Leviticus? It is the ideal of the holiness, holiness of, God. of God. And it is, it would, the, the point is to produce the fear of the Lord, which brings about knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I know, I know we're nearing the end, but how would this look practically? What would revival look like? Well, let's think about David Wilkerson when he formed Team Challenge, and this would be true today okay. as it was when he did that. Okay, uh, Team Challenge has a 13-month program. Uh, judges all over, not just the United States, but all over the world. Yes. Someone gets in trouble, they break the law, drugs, alcohol, some other kind of thing. Sometimes the judge will say, "You well, this happens all the time. Yeah. you got two choices. You can either go to jail or I will give you probation, and you will have to go to Teen Challenge. Someone will, you know, Teen Challenge will say, hey, we'll take responsibility. If they don't do it in Teen Challenge, they can call the judge and say they're not doing what they're supposed to. They'll put them in jail. Yeah. This is why the, the, we have judges all over the all over the world that will take people and put them in Teen, put challenge. Them in the teen challenge. They have roughly a 94% success rate. 94%. People overcome drugs, alcohol, criminal things. What do we mean, 94? That once they're finished with the 13-month program, they keep a job, they're involved in church, they live a productive Christian life. Yes. That is amazing. We're talking about Charles Finney-type numbers. Yes. Okay, uh, in, in, here in America, yeah. uh, when he held revivals. What do they do? I've had Teen Challenge here numerous times. I've been able to talk to them, mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see it. Everyone wakes up at the same time. You can see all these young men, they all wake up at the same time. They have to read the Bible at the same yes. time. Yes. They have to pray at the same time. They have responsibilities they do during the day. Some of them work on an outside job. Yes. You know, and then at nighttime, everybody eats their meal at the same time. Yes. You can watch one hour television and they'll monitor what you can watch. Of course. But even if it's not the television program you like, everyone has to watch it. And, and you get a chance for yours. Yeah, but, for yours. But yeah. even if you don't like it, you got to watch it anyway. What are they teaching people? Discipline. Yes. And they're teaching people that we're a family and that we are, you know, we're a body. Yes. Um, and uh, and, I, and I've seen them do it when I've had them in church before and where they spent the night in the church and we made a place for them. And I, I come over here early in the morning and I see them all out there in the tables. And every one of those guys are sitting there reading the scripture. Reading the Bible. And the and I've heard testimonies from them where someone says, you know, I wanted to go to Teen Challenge School. I didn't want to go to prison. And, uh, and to be honest with you, I didn't want to read my Bible. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to do all this kind of stuff. But I knew if I didn't do it, that I'd get sent back. And so I did. And... Before I knew it, something changed. Something changed. Something changed. The law of the Lord is perfect. Light came converting on. the soul. The interest of your word brings light. light. Yeah, giving understanding to the simple. The shifting. 
It is a life. shift. It is a major shift. Another way to say it in the New Testament concept, the renewing of their mind. Yes. Brought about transformation. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and people would look at that and say, man, I, I want the shouting and the screaming and the hollering. I, I'm not against that. But no. what is revival? Screaming, hollering, or shouting? Or is it some young man who messed his life up with drugs and alcohol yeah. and got involved in a criminal element and for 13 months is doing something simple like reading his Bible every day yeah. and praying every day yeah. and learning how to get along with his brothers every day eating that's revival yes 94 percent success rate that's revival billy graham said only three percent of all his converts even got involved in a local church yeah which is revival billy graham or teen challenge exactly and and what is the what is the difference between that three percent and 94 it's the difference between renewing your mind with scripture every day and praying every day, going to church. By the way, they do devotion every day with them as well. Yeah. And they go to church every, mm -hmm. on Sundays and Wednesdays. Or they, they have to do that. They all go to the same church. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 what, the point of it is, how many people have I sat in this very office that we're having this podcast, Yeah. and people come in with real, real world problems, mm -hmm. and they're not making fun of that. No. You know? And, 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 and I'll look at people and I ask them, tell me about your devotional habits in the Word. You're, 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 you know, you're reading the Bible, your personal devotional habits. And, and, and you know what it'll come to almost inevitably every time? They'll say, well, they'll, th they'll say things like this. Well, does reading the Word off the screen count? Oh, man. I mean, literally, I mean, they <laughs> yeah. say, or, or not as much as I should. Yeah. And I said, well, define that. And, and what we come to find out is they own five or six hardback Bibles. Yeah. They don't read any of them. And I've looked at people before, and I've asked them, I said, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, the spiritual war that we're involved in, yeah. those arrows, those flaming arrows, the shield of faith quenches, did you think this was a game? Yeah. Did you think those things weren't real? What did you think was going to happen if you don't fortify yourself with God's Word? And every person that I've got to put that into practice, yeah. not one person, and by the way, prayer as well. I'm, yeah, you know, of course. And, 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 and every person that I've ever done that with, I've seen people delivered from demons. Yes. I mean, I'm talking about violently possessed with demons that we did what we call post-counseling with. Mm -hmm. You know, this is after they're saved and filled with the Holy we, we, yeah. Spirit. We do some post-counseling. So I want you to understand, we're not talking about just weird, you know, just minor issues. Yeah. Uh, marriages that were just on the brink of being destroyed. Yeah. And I have never seen anyone that took the Word of God and started reading it every day and started praying every day, got consistent going to church, hearing the Word of God, came every time the doors were open, Every one of those marriages were restored. People stayed free. People overcome addictions. Uh, it's just amazing to see it. And everyone that didn't do it, I've seen marriages destroyed. Yes. I've seen people go away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. I've seen people go back to jail. What is revival? What is revival? It is taking the scripture, understanding what it is, and acting on it. Yes. And yes. being changed, converted. Yes. As a result. 
Jonathan Edwards, when he was not reading a book report, he was not singing a song. He was reading and preaching the word of God. Yeah, if you read Sinners in the Hands of Angry God, he vividly brings in examples from God's Word to demonstrate yes. what he was talking about in Deuteronomy. Yes. We ought to also mention when Jesus resisted the devil successfully, yes. every passage was from it Deuteronomy. It is written. It is written out of De yeah, Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah. And people began to stir. People began to literally, it came into their minds that the light turned on that at any moment, if they would not give their heart and life to Christ and they wouldn't change, that they would fall into hell. I mean, any time they could go to hell. Their foot should slide. Foot any time. should slide. And you see, the thing is, that's started breaking out. Now, when we look at the effects of revival, what do we see? We see people who are talking about their faith. People yes. that are sharing together about their faith, talking about the Bible, men that were talking about would meet and talk about religion, and then in uh, in in the Word of God and theology, people uh, places like bars and this type of thing they would shut down because people lost interest in the wicked. That was certainly true of uh, Charles Finney's yes revivals. I mean, literally, he would go into places, and uh, before they were done. Yeah. Brothel houses, beer joints, liquor places, all the they they didn't they didn't close down because people marched around them. No, no. It was so many people were getting saved, so many people were getting their heart right with God yeah. that there wasn't enough people to go and they closed down. Yeah. You know how to you, you, if people want to really I mean this is going to be I, I don't want to be ugly here. Mm. If you want abortion to end in this country, okay. then what we need is revival we in need this country. Revival. We need people to come to God. Let me let me read. This is Paul. You're talking about what you know, sharing your faith. Yeah. Here's Paul. He's arrested in Jerusalem. I think it's almost a year and a half later. King Agrippa comes mm -hmm. and he begins to recount to King Agrippa what happened to him, and uh, and so in this in this uh, in this statement. I'm not going to read it all. He recounts what Jesus on the road to Damascus, what yeah, happened. Yeah, what happened. And then after he, let me start out in verse 18. This is what he said Jesus said to him. He said to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so he goes on and says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first, to those in Damascus, that's where he got saved. Yes, and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles. And this is how he summarized it: that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting, befitting repentance. repentance. Yeah. And and while talking about this, um, this is where um, I the, believe Festus, yeah. Or, or was it Felix uh, so, told him he lost his mind? Or either that was maybe that was the one where he was with Festus or Felix. Yeah, but well, didn't Agrippa say, almost thought persuade us yeah, to be yeah. a Christian? Yeah, he, go, he goes on right. He, well, see, he preaches the gospel. He says, for this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple, tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both the small and great, saying that no other things than those which the prophets and the Moses uh, said would come. So he goes back to the word. Yeah. 
And he says that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead uh, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And here it is. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Yeah. It disturbed him. Yeah. Not everybody's going to repent. No. And uh, and he said, much learning has driven you mad. I've had people accuse me yeah. of that and sit there and you know, tell me, stop giving me the, I, I think people get mad at me over this. Yeah. It's like, well, if we can't talk about the word, I don't know what we can talk about. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, uh, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason for the king before whom you also speak freely, knows these things. And I'm convinced that none of these things escaped his attention since this thing was not done in, in a, in a corner. King Agrippa said, do you believe the prophet? Uh, he said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? In other words, do you believe the word? Yeah. And uh, he said, I know that you do believe it. And Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Yeah. I don't know if he was mocking him or not. but No, but, I don't think he was. I think, it I think God was him. dealing with both of them. The thing here is, is that you have Festus, or it was Festus, on one hand in his reaction to the gospel or to the, to the message. You have Agrippa, another thing, God's trying to get a hold of him. Yeah. And he said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Uh, but you see, the thing here is bottom line, and we need to probably wrap up, is that when we're talking about revival, it is brought about through the word of God. Yes. Even Jesus in his own ministry. Yeah. Right there. I, I'm trying to remember the context. I think it's right there before the, the guys healed that they lowered the room. Yeah. I may be wrong about that. But right before it says his own family had thought he had lost his mind and they were going to try to get him committed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, when when you minister God's word, and let's just put that, let's just say someone's like, how do I do this? Well, you give people God's word. Yes. Well, first of all, you got to know it yourself. You can't give you it. You got to know, know the it. word of God. All right. So you start giving people God's word. You're going to have different reactions to it. You're going to have people that get mad at you. Yes. You're gonna have people that look at you and say, "Well, you know, you're, you're just going mad. You're just, you're just too much learning. Quit giving me that. I don't like you preaching at me." You're gonna get that. Yeah. You're gonna get other people to say, "You know what? You almost convinced me." You're gonna have other people that are gonna to come to Jesus. Yes. And they yes. are gonna repent. But here's the one thing that you're everyone who ever ministers God's word. I don't care if it's someone who's sitting in a church somewhere and you're witnessing to somebody at work or you're a preacher of the gospel, mm -hmm. everybody is going to be persecuted who does it because Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer so persecution. persecution. Yeah. And so all this garbage about this prosperity gospel, mm -hmm. all this, your best life now, that is garbage. Yeah, The real truth of the gospel calls people to repent yes. and to turn to God and do works befitting repentance. That's what Paul said that's in God's word. Yes. And when we're not calling people to that, we're not preaching the gospel. Yeah. And secondly, we're going to get negative reaction to that message. Sure. There's going to be people who will <laughs> not like us and will persecute us. Oh, yeah. 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 So anyway, that, yeah. I'm it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. No. And here's the thing. When Jonathan Edwards, and that was one of the examples we use today, is that people begin to actually get a vision and, when, uh, and an understanding. They actually saw that they could be thrown into hell. Yes. They saw that they could die at any moment and they could go to hell. 
that was reality. That was God's reality. That was what, what they, and the light came on. The entrance of your word gives light. Now, here's the thing. If you're in a church where they're not preaching the word of God, if you're in a church where they're not calling people to repentance, if you're in a church where there's no conviction, where people are not being saved and converted, and, uh, and that, 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 is, that is a focus, shall we say, of that church, you're never going to see revival. No, you're not going to. You're never going to see revival. But the thing is, is in your own life, if you do not have a desire for the Word of God, if you are not reading the Word of God, if you do not desire to uh, have Christ in your life and to do what God wants to do in your life and follow Him, shall we say, to pray, to believe God, to go to church on a regular basis, yeah. to actually plug into this thing, you're never going to see revival. Well, if, if you don't have a desire to do any of that, I would question whether you know the Lord. Yeah, the mom, absolutely, absolutely. But again, we have had, and like I, I think I said this last week, we have people that are brand new Christians, brand new, that are listening. We have people that have been in Christianity for years and years and years, yet they have no spark in their lives. Yet they're, they're not reading their Bible. They're not doing what they should do in God. You have other people that just, I don't know, you know, they're deceived, the other, the other, that they're following false teachers and all this and listening to all this other, that your best life now, you can do this, you know, give me a thousand dollars and God will break the back of, uh, poverty. of poverty off your life. Garbage. And all this, you're following all that other type of stuff. When God is saying, go back to the basics, go back to the word, that's where revival is going to happen, not only in your life, but when the church begins to focus back on the word of God and on what God wants and God's way, you're going to see revival. Yes, you, because to be honest with you, if, you'll have more revival than you'll know what to do if you do those things. Yeah, and there will be an actual shift. Yes, it will be a shift. It will be, it will be. Well, uh, another way to say it is it'll be transformation. Yes, That's the word I believe in the Greek metapho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, it, it's it's the ideal of being changed into something different. Yes, that's the Greek concept of it. How does transformation happen? You renew your mind with Scripture. Yes, and uh, and there 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 are no shortcuts to revival. Yeah, and the thing is, and that's what true revival is. And um, well, man, we we, well, I we think could we could illustrate this over and over again through Scripture. Uh -huh. We could have went to Acts nineteen, yeah. where the preaching of the kingdom of God there that Paul used and script the the preaching of Scripture brought about a revival in Ephesus for three years. People were taking their curious arts and the witchcraft, burning them in burning the fire. Because that's repentance. Yeah, I and mean, then just you see revival because things are changing. In people fact, are getting caused, rid of the. It caused such an uproar that they had to get him out of there because the people who were making idols. Think about this. Yeah, they put them out of business. People weren't buying buying them. <laughs> put them out of business, uh, and and so they were accusing him of uh, breaking Roman law and and all this other stuff. And and it, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's revival. Yeah. I mean, revival in you sitting over there in your couch eating cupcakes and, and talking about how big your banking account is and all that. That's not revival. No. 
Revival is true repentance and following Jesus Christ, doing whatever he asks you to do, even if you don't want to do it. If yeah. any man, Luke, uh, Luke 9.23, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, cross and daily and follow, daily me. And follow me. That doesn't yeah. sound like my best life now, does no, it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, and uh, and not saying that God will not bring about blessing in your life, but that you have to do it God's way. Yeah. Well, once again, what is revival? Someone jumping and hopping around because the music is lively or William Tyndale burning at the stake because his adherence to giving God's word in a language that people could understand. And getting that, that Bible went into so many hands Which from that time. is revival. That's revival. That's revival. All righty, Pastor. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to wind it up here. Hour 15, it looks like, today. Anyway, but we, um, uh, we're uh, happy that you tuned in for the uh, podcast this week. Now, next week, we are going to take it a little further into uh, what Jonathan Edwards was talking about. Actually, we're going to talk about what hell truly is and where and uh let's uh, let's dig and into we're gonna, that we're gonna have a guest on our podcast I, I, at least i think we are we are and uh and that is my son uh, yes an experience yes. that yes. he had as a child at the age of around five yeah and uh and, and by the way he would have had no awareness not at five years old of anything that yeah. happened during the, for the great awakening no and so it's just kind of interesting there so you know it you know if we can if, if he's uh, willing to do that we want we're going to have him come in and mm -hmm. just describe his experience yeah and uh and, and, and we're going to compare we're, it to some historical things of revival and then what does the bible say about hell and what is uh some, some, even Jesus himself gave an example. Jesus but, talked more about hell than he did heaven. That's, a, that's true. So, okay, well, uh, great to have you all here uh, listening to the podcast. We will be back next week with another one. Um, if uh, we're, we're getting ready, we're heading down towards the end of September for the uh, our second, well, actually our big seminar on uh, the anatomy of a Christian. We're going to be doing that here in Georgetown at the River of Life Church. And if you're in the area, please attend this. We don't charge for these things. Come on and, and, and get fed the word of God. And uh, we want you to be blessed and uh, read your Bible. Get yeah. back into your Bible. If you are over there, you're saying, man, you know, I, I used to read my Bible, but I don't anymore. Pick it up. And, you know, and that's what Satan wants to stop you from. The devil wants to stop you from reading that Bible. Pick it up and start reading it. I don't care if it's a chapter a day. Get into that word and read the word of God. Yeah, and quit telling God how sorry you are that you're not doing it. Start doing it. Just do it. Get out there and open it up and read. And uh, and if you can't, you know, you don't have time or what, there's audio Bibles. You can you can get them online. Yeah, Heck, you can go online and they'll read it to you. It's free. It'll yes. read it to you. Yes. I mean, my, they, they made it so easy yes. uh, today. So read your Bible. Anyway, God bless you all. We will, uh, we will be with you next week.